0: to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. So how many of you are doing the Bible in a year podcast? If it's not with Hollow, if it's not just pulling that up on Apple, and it is with the Great Adventure Bible uh, with Jeff Cavins and Father Mike Schmidt. I'm pretty sure a lot of you out there recognize those names. And I started doing it and it has been phenomenal. The Bible has come to life. It has been so good, everyone, especially during this Lenten season. So today I have interviewed Jeff Cavins about the Great Adventure Bible. But before we get into it with him, we are going to have a quick tip from Daniel Campbell on how you can have the best Lent ever. (laughs)
1: Hi, this is Daniel Campbell, Director of the Lay Division at St. John Vianney Theological Seminary for the Archdiocese of Denver, where we offer all sorts of classes for you, the lay faithful. With tomorrow being the second Sunday of Lent, it's a good time to mention a word about fasting. Very simply, fasting is eating less food than normal. Practically speaking, this is partly how you move from the extreme of eating too much food back to the moderated appropriate amount, which even secular studies show is a healthy thing. If anything, our food intake tends to overindulgence. As a general problem? But what else is so important about fasting? This is, after all, a frequently performed penitential act in Scripture. When people wish to repent and make reparation, they so often turn to fasting. Our Lord Himself even fasted 40 days in the wilderness. So, what's the big deal with fasting then? Well, the problem with our overindulgence of food is that we end up worshiping the God of the belly, as St. Paul refers to it in Philippians 3, verse 19. So, it's good to keep in mind. That there is a spiritual signification behind fasting. This is a primary way of practicing mortification, of saying no to ourselves. Our Lord says to Peter, James, and John amidst his agony in the garden that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, fasting is a way of taking back control over our bodies. But it's not just pain for the sake of pain, rather, it's meant to allow us to enter more deeply into the interior life, to rise to the higher things of God. For example, giving up that. 30 minutes spent cooking the meal and 30 minutes spent eating it has just freed up an hour for prayer. So I would really encourage you to remember that about your fasting. Not just the church demanding we do things we don't like, but the church encouraging us to reprioritize things, to take control over the God of the belly, and to participate more fully in the life of prayer. If you'd like to read, watch, listen to more about the Lenten season, check out our website at sjvlaydivision.org, and I hope you have a blessed Lenten season.
0: Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. Today we have Jeff Havens on, and I am so excited that you're here. Thank you for being here at Women Made New.
2: Well, it's my pleasure to join you. This is going to be exciting.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you are so knowledgeable about the Bible. I have so many different questions for you, but how can someone who's hearing this right now Really embrace and actually read scripture to help their healing process,
2: well, you know, I think that the world uh, today is 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 broken, and there's a lot of people who are desperately searching for for answers they're searching for the truth and mm-hmm. and we see this as evidenced by so many different television shows you know you've got Dr. Phil and you have everybody on television who is giving advice, and people are flocking to hear, can you fix me? Can you make my life better in some Mm. way? And we as Christians are disciples and we are the ones who possess the truth. We possess the one thing that will really straighten people's lives out. Marriages, relationship with children, emotions, direction in life. And that is Jesus Christ. And I think, to be honest with you, that we, we make it very we make it overly complex. And, and, and as far as sharing, and we think we've got to know the answer to every single question in the world, including apologetics, when the answer really is the gospel, the good news. And, uh, and if we can, we can share that good news with people and we can introduce them to God's word, uh, we can introduce them to a life that is a better future and, uh, and a trust. And, and really, isn't it, Aren't those the two things that people are really looking for? They're looking for a better future and they're looking for someone to trust. And And we know who that is. And so we are joyfully sharing that with people.
0: Yes, everywhere we turn, it seems like we're, we're seeing lies or lies are being um, exposed right now. And things that we did put so much trust in are kind of just falling apart. And one thing that you said, I think, is really prevalent is that people want to be fixed, and they're looking in all different ways of trying to do that right now. And being fixed necessarily means there's something wrong and there's something off, right? But the problem is, these days, people do not want the cross. It's like they want Jesus, but they don't want the cross. But they have to understand they kind of go together and that he never told us our life was going to be easy. But if we learn to embrace the cross in the way that he wants us to, I think getting through this life or getting through the trials will be easier. And finding the scriptures that kind of walk us through that will maybe help understand what's really going on right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, it's really true, crystallina that years ago, um, something happened to me in my my neck and I ended up with a, just a horrific injury in my neck that led to a whole year of, of really incredible pain. And it brought me down a road that, well, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I remember talking, you know, so often with my good friend, Scott Hahn, and we would talk at night, you know, with Bibles on the floor and talking about suffering and, and it, you know, there's a, there's certain things that happen in your life. You know, if I were interviewing you, you could probably tell me four or five different things that have happened in your life that really made a difference. And for me, one of them was suffering, and and it was when I realized that Jesus loved me so much that he was willing to suffer and lay down his life. When I saw that, my eyes were opened, and my eyes were opened to the reality that he was now allowing me to love the way he loves by offering up my suffering. And so it was the cross, which is foolishness to the world. It was the cross that really— was a breakthrough moment in my life. The very thing that everybody's trying to avoid was Mm -hmm. my freedom.
0: Yes, it's those moments in your life, not where you're crying to God, but really where you're crying out to God. And there is a very big difference. And it's in those moments of great suffering. And you can't really have Jesus without the cross. They go hand in hand. And a lot of the times with that great suffering, those massive breakthroughs. And you're right, that's when I did have really big changes and things happen in my life, but it also was so grace-filled in those moments. And people are so afraid and they wanna see how they can get rid of maybe the problem in their life or what's going on or what's inconveniencing them. But in actuality, sometimes they need to ask for the grace to just embrace what's happening and to go through. Because sometimes the only way to get through it is just straight through. There's no, there's no easy way out. Right.
2: Right. Well, you know, the, the apostle Paul is the one who really, he's really the teacher of the cross. He's really the teacher of, of dealing with these difficult times. And I remember when he, when he said, he said, I, I have, I have, uh, I've learned to live with a little, I have learned to live with a lot. And then he says, I, I have learned the secret. And that is that that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I think that probably my favorite verse in the world is, is Galatians two 20, where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so Paul was, you know, his, his, his secret really was guys, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who is living through me. And you'll never experience that, that thrilling life of Christ in your life, unless, you, like you said earlier, Kristalina, unless you go through the cross.
0: And the times that I've tried to avoid the cross in my life and I look back, Jeff, it really has caused me more problems and more pain and more suffering that if I just would have embraced what God was put before me, it, the outcome actually wouldn't have been as bad and it probably would have been a completely different path. But sometimes we choose something other th- or the easy way and it actually makes our life even harder.
2: Have you, have you well, seen that happen? Absolutely. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the, the embracing of the cross has, and the, the understanding of suffering has been one of the greatest revelations uh, in my life. What happened to me a number of years ago is, and they think it was because of a, a football injury, is that the c 67 in my neck split and mm-hmm. uh, it completely split in two and causing just agonizing pain. And I ended up in in surgery and they they fused my, my neck. But mm-hmm. it was what I learned in that and that really transformed my life. You know, John Paul II says that uh, in your suffering – you possess a tiny kernel, if you will, of the redemptive suffering of Christ. And you can apply that to other people. And he said that it, through suffering, more than anything else, we are drawn to Christ. And unfortunately, as you alluded to earlier, some people can run from that suffering or they can run to the cross where it suddenly has has meaning. And, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you cannot make if you cannot find meaning in your suffering, you can go into despair. Mm. And, but if you can find meaning in your suffering, you can go through anything. And as a Christian, we find the meaning to our suffering in his suffering, that he loved the world and, and he gave his life. He suffered for the world. There was value in his suffering. He redeemed us. He bought us. And now he says to us, I want you to know, Kristalina, I want you to know, and those listening, I want you to know what the love of God is like. I'm going to allow you to enter into my suffering and to experience my love as you offer up your suffering with mine. And and that's why I so love what what Paul wrote in Colossians 1.24 when he said, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh— I complete what is lacking in the, in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, that is the church. And that is an amazing thing when you hear Paul say something is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And what could be lacking in the sufferings of Christ? St. Augustine asked the question and St. John Paul II asked the question. And Augustine said that what is lacking is the sufferings of the mystical body of Christ. And, and that's combined with what John Paul II said. He said, what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ? He said, nothing, but that you might come to know his love. He has made room in his suffering for you to participate. And this is a mystery. You know, maybe you've done this before where you read some of the saints where they said, oh, Lord, thank you for allowing me to suffer. Yeah. And I used to read that almost gag, you know, I was like, what? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just, it's hard to wrap your mind around. Like, this is a gift when you're in yes. pain and you don't understand and God's just asking you to trust and one foot in front of the other and just to kind of go through the fire, not to put the fire out, but you got to walk through with them and trust. And it's scary sometimes and hard, but that's where our faith really kicks in. And you know, as you're talking, and I've really done some research on, on the saints, and it's just this common thread with all of them that they suffered greatly, every single one of them. And I'm thinking, well, that really is the path to heaven in in, in a way, right? But maybe that was the secret that they really grasped that we are striving for is that essence of suffering that truly is that gift and to suffer well.
2: hmm well, here's the good news about it: is that you know, when people suffer, uh, some people have this idea, and it's it's not an it's not an accurate idea by any means. But the idea is that that if I'm suffering, I'm just going to kind of offer this up to the Lord, whatever that means, you know. And they'll offer and, uh, it and up. I, offer if, it if, up. <laughs> yeah, and if I just get through this somehow, some way, something good is going to come out of it. And that isn't what that's not what Paul's teaching at all. What Paul's teaching is, is that if you take your suffering and by an act of the will, join your suffering to Christ's suffering, he will transform and change your suffering into, if you will, redemptive currency that you can even apply to your children. Say, Lord, I offer up my suffering in union with you for my children, for my my uncle, for my mom, for my dad, for the graces of God to be poured out into their life. In other words, I'm working with you, Lord, in redeeming the world, and now I know what it is to love. You loved me on the cross, and now, Lord, you have transformed my suffering, and I can get a I can get a glimpse now of what it truly means to love and what it truly means is I'm willing to lay down my life for my family, for my friends, you know that so so many men, particularly, let me speak to the men just for a moment who I know they're listening to your show. Uh, <laughs> you know so many men say, oh, I you know and, and women, you know moms, they would say uh, i'm I'm willing to die for my children you know I'd say are are you willing to die for your children? Absolutely, I'm willing to die for my children. If somebody came into the room and said, "Your children are you, take me, you know very noble, very great, and heroic, and everything. But the question is not are you willing to die for your children, but uh, two questions. One, are you willing to live for them? And number two, are you willing to die a slow death? In other words, to offer up your life daily for your family, your husband, your children. And that's really the question because I think a lot of people will say, yeah, in one fell knife cut, I'll give my life you know, for my family. But it's really the heroes that will say, "I will. I will die a slow death. I will offer up my life for my loved ones, and that suffering has redemptive, redemptive value."
0: Wow, that puts so much in perspective. That I know a lot of women have asked me, or even a couple questions that I've even had myself in regards to suffering, because. I don't know about you, but a lot of people that I've talked to, everybody, everybody seems to be going through something right now in some way, shape or form. And it seems like we're all just being really tested right now. But there's a reason for it. And there's always something at the end that God is trying to teach us or give us or grace, whatever it is. But everybody's going through it. and Nobody's unscathed from it right now. But you have suffering. But if you attach it to that redemptive suffering, it's a whole new world. And you really can handle anything. And God will give anybody the grace as long as they ask for it. Now, to be as ABCs as possible for myself and my listeners, what is the process and the steps with all of that? If someone is going through Mm -hmm. that, is it just, Lord Jesus, I offer this up for so-and-so, or I... I give this to you through the cross or what, what is it? What is sure. the kind of the, it's not a formula, but just for people that are coming back into the church and really don't understand this because there's a lot of newcomers now coming, which is beautiful, but I want to make it as simple as possible for them.
2: Right. No, that's good. Well, first of all, I would say to make it simple, uh, and I'm drawing from John Paul II and his tremendous document on suffering. Uh, he He, he says that there are two kinds of suffering there there is physical suffering which all of your listeners have gone through physical suffering it's, it could be a cold a broken arm the flu whatever it might be that's one kind of suffering maybe your kids are going through that physical suffering the second kind of suffering is what john paul ii calls moral suffering which is the suffering of the heart it's betrayal it is rejection it is depression anxiety being left out a child dying this is the suffering of the heart so those are the two kinds you have physical and you have the moral the suffering of the of the heart and then he says there's two types one is is temporal suffering is for a week or a year whatever it might be but then he says that there's another kind called definitive suffering, and that is eternal suffering. You're going to suffer forever and ever and ever because you are without God. Mm. And and John Paul says, John Paul II said that Jesus used physical suffering and that moral suffering of the heart, that broken heart. He he used that to deal with our definitive suffering. In other words, we don't have to be away from him forever and ever and ever. And here's how you, here's how you, you appropriate this. So this is how you use this. You, if you're suffering physically right now, or you're suffering from a broken heart right now in your life, what you do is you take that. And by an act of the will, you say, Jesus, I offer this up in union with your suffering, your cross, take this Lord. And the Lord takes it in the best place to do it is in the mass, when the, the bread and the wine are lifted up and there's this miracle that takes place, we also lift up to him our suffering and he takes that suffering and it is transformed into redemptive cash, if you will. Uh, and, and so he takes that and he makes it new and powerful. So we offer it up by an act of the will and it's easy as this. Lord, take this, take my physical suffering right now. This, this report I got about cancer, Lord, I offer it up to you right now, and I ask you to, to use this, and he will. And at that point, you can even, as John Paul II said, you can say, this is for my son, John. This is for my daughter, Mary, that I offer up my suffering for her, and suddenly there you are. Your suffering has meaning now. And you don't have to sit there and just say, I'm just going to put up with this. And somehow, some way, something good's going to happen, which it usually doesn't. But if you, by an act of the will, love the way Jesus loved and join yourself to him, wow, you, you're powerful now. Now you have done, you've done what Jesus did with his suffering and he purchased the world. And I, I think this is a really great thing, really, as a man, for men, I'm always challenging men, men. Maybe you don't know the whole Bible. Maybe you don't know the whole catechism, but suffer like a man for your family. Offer up your life for your children. Be a man. Suffer like Christ. And all of a sudden their eyes open up and they'll go, I can do that. I can do that. Mm -hmm. But is that spiritual? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's very spiritual.
0: Absolutely. and. For those of you just tuning in, we are talking with Jeff Cavins, and we're going to get into the great adventure Catholic Bible study here pretty soon. But to, to go off what you just said in regards to men and being spiritual leaders or just tapping into that, and I was telling this to another one of my um, guests I had on that there is this pandemic almost of these men that that want to fight for their family, that want to be these protectors, but they didn't really see that growing up so it really wasn't instilled in them their dad maybe was a good catholic man and 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 did went to church on sundays they didn't really pray in the home but he was a it was a good man and they had their faith but they never saw that spiritual combat they didn't ever see that man of god be that warrior within their home and protecting them against these evils coming at them or just the spiritual warfare was almost foreign and so now within their own families there are these good god-fearing men striving for holiness but they also do not know they just don't know how to fight that battle right now that they know is so intense but they just don't know what to do
2: right i agree with you and one of the things that they can do is of course jesus is the model but one of the blessings we have as catholics is we have been given the saints who have fought the battle before us and 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 they can we can learn something from them and that's called discipleship. You know, they, they, they can disciple us. They can show us, how do you fight that good fight? That's why men need fellowship with other men. And, uh, and to ask them, how do you deal with this in your family? And we have to be willing to share with other men uh, how we are fighting those battles in our family. You know, what one of the, the tactics of the enemy is to isolate. And when you isolate men or you isolate women, they can feel very alone. And when you feel alone, you feel very weak and you feel hopeless and you're sitting in front of the television like a lifeline looking for something that will, will help you. And all the while, it is uh, most likely found just in your brothers and sisters who you fellowship with and who you study with.
0: So community is a big deal. So like this Bible study that um, Mm -hmm. you've created, this is something that they can do in a tool within their homes or just to find fellowship or other men or other women and come together and learn scripture. And especially for people just coming in the church or maybe dusting off that Bible they haven't picked up since high school or junior high, right, or confirmation. And they know they have this Bible and they want to start reading the Bible again because it truly is I, I believe one of the weapons God has given us is in his word, right. and it's it's kind of a manual of life there, and it has a lot of the answers that we're seeking, but a lot of people just don't think, well, the Bible will have the answer for me. You know, we just aren't, aren't trained that way, even in the church, to go to the Bible for answers. We go to God, but we're not really taught or we don't really hear a lot about going to the Bible. Why is right. that?
2: Well, that's that's a great observation. You're exactly right. We 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 aren't. You know, I think sometimes Catholics have this idea that that Protestants have the Bible. We have sacraments. Game on. Yes, let's play yes, our separate games. That's how games. I heard it
0: explained. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, and the truth of the matter is, uh, it's not an it's not it's not a choice of one or the over the other. Uh, we do have the sacraments, but we do have the Bible as well. And the Bible was 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 given to the world from. The context of the church and it's meant to be to be celebrated and obeyed in the context in the context of the church. I think that I think that one of the greatest problems, Kristalina, uh, that we that we face today is that we tell people to read the Bible because somehow some way we know that the answer is there and God will reveal himself to you in the scripture. So we tell people to read it. But get this. We don't tell them how to read it. That's right. And this blows my mind that that uh, I was speaking in Sacramento uh, a couple of years ago. And I was a great, great group of people. Was, I don't know, it was 1,500 people at this conference I was at. And I asked them, how many of you have a Bible in your home? Yay, all the hands went up. And I said, how many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you have ever had one person a priest, deacon, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, cousin, friend, show you how to read the Bible. You know what? Not one hand went <sighs> up. I said, and I, I told him, I said, besides the great adventure. Yeah, there how many, and not, <laughs> not one hand went up. And I said to him, my friends, this ought not to be this this is, this, is, this is a crying shame, really, is that the mm. book that has the, the, the plan of God for us and we're told to read it, we don't teach our children how to read it. And then we send them off in the world with that Bible tucked under their arms saying, mm-hmm. you're equipped. No, they're not. They don't even know how to read the book. You know, they, they don't know how to read the Bible. And so uh, it, you're right. It is a weapon. Uh, you have to know how to use that, you know, you know, have to know how to read it. And that's where the great adventure Bible study has come in where that has become the goal in my life really is, um, is, is not to be a great world-class theologian by any means, but to be someone who shares the story with other people and sits down at a restaurant with a cup of coffee with the two Bibles and says, like, let me show you how to read this. There's a way to read it that will really make sense. And you will find god's amazing story or as the catechism says in the very first paragraph god has a plan of sheer goodness and so let me tell you about that plan let me show you how to read it you can get the most out of it and uh and that's that's really what i've dedicated my life to and and my wife as well
0: absolutely fantastic and much needed. Again, we are here with Jeff Cavins and we are going to take a break with our friends over at EWTN and we will be right back. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Women Made New. I'm your host, Crystalina Everett, and we are here discussing the Great Adventure Catholic Bible with Jeff Havens. And for those of you that weren't listening or just tuning in, I just want to recap what we are talking about because it is so important and it holds such great weight that we have this unbelievable weapon and Bible and word of God that he gave us, but we don't know how to read it. It's like a weapon you don't know how to use. or you giving me the keys to the car and saying, go drive? And I don't even have a license. Like, what do you mean go drive? I don't know how. And I never thought of that, but it's true. No one ever taught me how to read the Bible. It's like, I just started with Russian roulette almost, you know, and I know a lot of people do oh, yeah. that, you know, <laughs> and you just open it up and you read and God's speaking to me in that moment. And a lot of the time he does, cause that's all you're giving him, you know? <laughs> so he takes that moment and it's really grace filled and sometimes it's not, but that's basically how I started, which is so sad now that I think about it. But absolutely having that proper weight and instruction, I can't imagine how powerful that can be in someone's life.
2: Yeah, it really it really can. It's like it's handing somebody keys. And uh, we've actually seen people tear up when we show them how to read the Bible and they will say, uh, I have always wanted to know this. I knew the story was in there, but I couldn't get it out. I, d- I didn't know how to read it. And, and I developed the Great Adventure Bible Study really out of my own poverty, out of my own need to, mm. to know. You know, I had been through Bible college. I, I left the Catholic Church uh, when I was uh, uh, when I was about 20, 21. But prior to that, I went to a Protestant Bible college and uh, I got through Bible college still not knowing how to read the Bible, but I, I, I knew the stories quite a bit, you know, and and then it was after Bible college that I formally left the Catholic Church, went went back to school and uh, I became a pastor and I was a young pastor. And obviously, since then, I've come back in case people are wondering, <laughs> but uh, but I, 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 as a young pastor, I, I could tell you all about the stories but I couldn't tell you the story. It would be like you and Jason saying, uh, I can tell you about a little bit about each one of the, of the eight kids, but I cannot tell you about the Everts.
0: Mm, That makes sense. Yeah.
2: And it's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I can tell you about each one of our kids, but I cannot tell you the story of the Everts. I don't know what our story is. And that's where that's what happens when we, we we know the stories of the Bible, but we don't know the overarching story. So, I was sitting. It's so funny how it began. I was sitting in, in my car, waiting to go into my Hebrew class at the University of Minnesota, and I was thinking to myself about how do I get my mind and my heart, heart around the entire Bible. And I was listening to this old curmudgeon who is <laughs> who was talking about. It was on an old cassette. He was talking about the history of archaeology, and it was dry as bones. But I was, I was intrigued th- th- about the fact that he could start at the beginning and go all the way to the end and tell you the story of salvation history. And I, I also, and I thought, I want to do that with the Bible. I want to be able wow. to tell the story of the Bible. And I got this idea and this vision in my mind, which is today the Great Adventure Bible Timeline Chart. And I didn't even go to class that day. I went to a, an art store and I got some materials. Wow. I went to a meat market and I got a big <laughs> piece of white paper. I went home and Kristalina, I sp- I spent 48 hours up and I developed this whole timeline wow. so I could see the story. And I was tired at the end, but I had no idea that this would define my life, that what I just did would help other people to learn to read the Bible and to know the story of our Heavenly Father and where we fit into it. So it, uh, after I came back to the Catholic Church, uh, I ended up uh, at Steubenville. Uh, in fact, you, uh, um, Jason was there, I think, about the same time. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I was getting a graduate degree and teaching undergrad Bible at Steubenville. And uh, filled in with for Scott Hahn occasionally in his classes, and and it was after that that I Mother Angelica called EWTN, yay EWTN, yeah, and uh, and they they uh, asked me to come on her show, and I did. And in the middle of the show, she said she's with her jolly voice, you know, oh honey, you know, and she said, "Would <laughs> you would you pray about doing a show for us, thirteen week wow. show?" And and I said, uh, "Sure." So I bowed my head, came up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and she started laughing and that ended up becoming our father's plan. I invited Scott to join me on, on that. And we used the great adventure as the basis of the show. And that is one of the longest running shows on EWTN now where it, it literally just talks about the, the story and people got so excited because they too could now see themselves understanding the overarching story. Now they have a map. Now they have keys. In, uh, in which to do it. So that's how it kind of began. And uh, and I have just been filled with joy to be able to help people understand the Bible. And they've got their whole life to go down deep. But I just want them to be able to know how to read the Bible and, and children too. And that's my wife's passion.
0: Oh, that's exciting. Now, what people don't understand and what I just got from what you said is that's my story too. The oh, really? Bible is my story. The Bible is your story. The Bible is all of our story because that's our faith in that book, correct?
2: Sure. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and
0: that that is our story. We have a part to play and God is really speaking to us through the Bible. And right. and it's something that we have I think we have to take more seriously that we don't in our faith. And mm-hmm. something I want to ask you, okay, Jeff? Just a little (laughs) off the wall question here, but it will make sense. When you got your crayons and you're sitting there, or your your pens, your art pencils, and you're at the table and you're just going and going, and you got this moment where you knew you needed to do this, right? Mm -hmm. And it made sense, but it just like was out of nowhere. But you did this at the time. Did you ever ask yourself, "Am I? Why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this?" Or did you just have this moment of? I know this needs to be done because you seem really sure of what the Holy Spirit was asking. The reason I bring this up is because sometimes the Holy Spirit asks us to do things and we don't understand them sometimes, or there's this drive in us that we know this is something that we just have to do and God's asking us to do, but it doesn't seem necessarily, I don't know, it seems off the wall or just like, and, and sometimes we say no to those promptings, but we don't realize even the smallest prompting of the Holy Spirit Holds such great weight and importance that it really is a ripple effect because God always asks us to do one thing at a time. And even that mm-hmm. small little voice will lead to another and another. And here you are with this incredible Bible study from just being obedient in that moment of I've got to do this, this urge, just, I've got to see it on paper. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm not a very talented guy. Um, and that is really the truth. You Just ask my kids. But I, I'm, I'm would really say that, different,
0: but we'll go with that.
2: <laughs> I'm not really a talented guy, but I do have a gift for being able to go through open doors, <laughs> and and that's my gift. You know, I can go through open doors. And when I suddenly caught the the image in my mind that I would create something that I could see, it was there was just a joy that ran came up in me and yes. a, a desire to do it and that I can only uh, assume now that it was God leading me and and showing me Jeff I want to show you my story I want I want yeah. you to understand my plan my of sheer goodness. And so yeah, I went I went through that but uh Kristalina, to be to be really frank with you, I didn't have any idea of sharing it with anybody. It was for me. I just wanted to be a better preacher. I just wanted to be a better teacher. And so when I did the first one, it was about two and a half feet tall and it was about six feet long and a big kitchen table. I had this white paper and I I rolled it up and I brought it to the office, unrolled it in front of my desk. So when I studied, I'd always look at it to see where I was in the story with Obadiah or Isaiah or, or Leviticus or whatever. And, and so that's how, that's what I did with it. And then I thought, I can't carry this great big piece of paper around <laughs> everywhere, like a scroll. Yeah. So what I did is I went to a printer and I said, can you guys shrink this into like two 11, 11, and a, half, 11 by, and a half by 18 piece? you know, two pieces of paper or whatever. They said, sure. So they, they shrunk it down into two pieces of paper and I put a piece of tape, you know, to, to, to attach them to one another. And I put it in a folder And I carried that around for a long time with my Bible and it was for me. And then I started to share it with some of the people in my church and they flipped. They were like, Oh my gosh, that's cool. Oh, that's so cool. You can see the whole story. Uh, Can I have a copy of that? Sure. Go ahead. And we made copies. Uh And then the word got out to pastors around the city that Caven's has this timeline chart that's, Very cool. You can see the whole story and what books to read and everything, you know, Uh, using using 12 different periods in the narrative books and all the other the other books. So I would get these pastors who would come over and say, "Uh, yeah, um, Jeff, I've I've heard that you've got this timeline (laughs) chart. Uh, You mind if I get a copy of that? And I'd say, no, we'll make a copy for you. And then they would say, "Uh, can we just kind of keep this between ourselves? And, and what they were saying was, I don't know this. Yeah, and I right. And I've been through Bible college. I don't know this, you know.
1: Wow. So then, it,
2: it. I just kept it to myself. And then, when I started coming into the Catholic Church, I, I went to Steubenville and uh, I went over to Scott's house. Uh, the first time I met him, I went went to his house and I had that Bible timeline tucked under my arm. And we sat down. We started talking. And I said, and I said "Well, this is what I've been doing." And I showed it to him. And you've met you've met Scott and mm-hmm. Kimberly. Scott says. Oh, this is so amazing. You know, he yeah. really, really like, he said, I just wish I would have come up with that. <laughs> and, uh, and so we became the best of friends. And it was around that story of salvation, of salvation history. And then I taught it at Steubenville to undergrads. Wow. And they came up and said to me, I've never read the Bible before. I'm really nervous. I'm embarrassed. I feel ashamed. I've never read it before. And now I'm taking a class on it. Be easy on me, Mr. Cavens, you know? And so the final of the test was they got a Bible timeline chart with no information on it, just A, B, C, one, two, three, four. And they had to fill in the entire wow. story of the Bible at the end of the <laughs> oh semester. It is. 85% got A's.
0: Wow. Wow. Well. One
2: semester. Catholics who never read the Bible could now walk you through the entire thing in detail.
0: That's amazing. See, yeah. the gifts God gives us are never truly for us; they're always to be shared and to help other people. But wow, that's amazing. I love it. Please tell me you kept the original white, just big, <laughs> as you said, scroll like <laughs> piece of paper. Did you keep that?
2: I didn't keep that oh. one, and, and I didn't. I didn't keep the first shrunk one, but I did keep. The first uh the the second one. I got that one in my closet. And oh. that one I have yeah. That would be something <laughs> wish...
0: awesome to put on social media. I would retweet well, that. That would be great. I would love well, it.
2: You have to understand, <laughs> I I I didn't have any idea that this would go anywhere. Wow. I didn't. I I didn't. And when I when I was a pastor and I started studying to come back into the Catholic Church, I didn't think there was even a job waiting for me. I, I was just coming back to the church. For the Eucharist, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that there, I didn't even know there was this thing called laity working in the church. I didn't even know that, <laughs> you know, so I thought, well, I'm going to run a 7-Eleven or something somewhere. and I'm going to continue <laughs> studying the Bible. <laughs> Maybe I could teach something or somewhere, but my life really changed with EWTN. I mean, radically changed with EWTN.
0: Yeah, And they're radically changing people all over the world. It's unbelievable what a yes can do and mother Angelica's yep. yes. And the ripple effect around the world that is still going, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's it's our, our yes to God in those moments are so important. And sometimes we're scared or don't understand, but it can change the course of your entire life. So, wow. I love that. Thank you well, for you know, sharing what's, you that. It's
2: even cool. Even cooler is um, cool is Greek for neat. But, um, <laughs> just kidding. But what, what's really cool about this is that that, that methodology of reading the Bible as a narrative—I uh, found out later that Saint Augustine actually came up with something very similar. You know, where he would show people, you've really got to get the mountaintop experiences. You got to see the big, the big picture there. But this last year absolutely blew us away. You know, at the, at, before the year turned to twenty twenty-one, uh, Father Mike Schmitz, good friend of mine. Had an idea that you know he wanted to do a podcast where he could read the Bible and talk about it a little bit, and so we thought, well, we'll use the Great Adventure because that has a three-month reading program where you can read through the fourteen narrative books and basically get the story, you know, by reading four chapters a day. So decided to put in, uh, put together a, a system where we could read the entire Bible in chronological order, in all the prophets where they belong, and everything with a little bit of commentary and that I would come in as a, as a trail guide to help people stay on target. Don't get lost. Here's where we're at now in the divided kingdom. Here we are. In the you know, the, the return. And so it, it, we put it together and it went live January 1st and January 2nd, we got a call from one of our producers saying you're number one.
0: No way. And
2: we, I said, Num, number one, what? And I thought they were talking about my podcast and I thought, Oh, maybe something big happened. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? And I said, number one, what? And she said, you're number one, the podcast Bible in a year.
0: Wow. And I said,
2: you, among Catholic podcasts? She said, no. I said, among religion, that category? No. All of it. No way. <laughs> ben Shapiro, Joe Rogan, <laughs> murder mystery podcast. You're number one in the country. And
0: What did you think in that moment?
2: Be honest. What did you think in that moment? I, I, my mind went numb to be honest. It went numb. And I, and and father said, you're kidding. He says, you're kidding. And I (laughs) I said, no, come on. That's, that couldn't be. And we went to uh, Apple, looked online, bingo, which is Catholic. I, (laughs) there was number one. And I thought, oh my word, how did that happen? And, And it stayed number one almost all of January. We got calls from all the networks, the newspapers. Wow. How did this happen? Even Ben Shapiro. How did this happen? How did two guys from Minnesota reading the Bible go to number one in the country? And our answer was, you know what? We don't know. Because I think we can only attribute for maybe 10% of it. But you know what, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of families crumbling, in the midst of teenagers becoming addicted, marriages splitting, in the middle of it all, God's word goes out and rises up in the darkness in our nation and baffles people. And it (laughs) is that story of sheer goodness, that plan of sheer goodness that God has and, uh, who would have ever known all those years ago, who would have known that two guys from <laughs> Minnesota that read the Bible and joke around would have, that would have, it would have happened. Fa- Father and I agreed on one thing. And that was that if, if people told us we had to be number one in January, when we were putting together the podcast, we would have never done this. We would have, wow. we would have been funny and clever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations. And in a time where people are just so hungry for the truth and real truth and people are starting to learn the difference, right? That that's fantastic. And it just shows it just shows people want are are lurking and searching for God right now. So that's fantastic. Good for you. That's wonderful. Father Mike Schmidt. Good for both of you. So where can they find this? Um, absolutely wonderful great adventure Catholic Bible study
2: sure well thanks thanks for the opportunity to, to share this we you can go to ascensionpress.com and that's where the 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 Bible studies are there's there's two two of them one is a uh, unlocking the mystery of the Bible which is eight one half hour sessions where I take you through how to read it and go through the story fast it's like uh it's like a jet plane over the story <laughs> and then we have the Jeep ride through the story which is 24 one-hour sessions uh, through the entire—that's the Bible timeline—through the entire uh, story. And then after that, there's a, a lot of other studies, Matthew and Acts and Revelation and Ephesians and Galatians and so on. But then uh, now we're so blessed because accompanying the studies now are, are, is the Great Adventure Bible itself. And that whole color-coded system of the Great Adventure, the chart that I did when I was mm-hmm. in my 20s, all of that now is baked into the bible so it's it's a bible that that actually teaches you how to read the bible and how to how to navigate through it and both of those are are at ascensionpress.com
0: how wonderful especially in a time when people are truly coming back to the church and seeking um, the the faith and these tools that are at our fingertips right now. And really it's all hands on deck right now. And there are so many different, beautiful, unbelievable ministries out there and tools that people don't know about that if they did know, I know it would help them and help them understand this walk because at a time when there is such confusion and they're looking for the truth, sometimes that's the last thing they find and it ends up hurting them more than helping them. But if they know where to go to find these things, then they really can equip themselves and their families or their friends or their churches. And is this mm-hmm. something that a church can buy for a group or this is someone that they can buy individually for groups, whatever it may be, right? Whatever walk in life right. they're at. Yeah,
2: a, a church can put together a group study that People can come together and study it. And Ascension has a team that will help, they'll help them completely to put that study on. And you can do that in your church. You can do it in among your friends in your home. The good thing about technology these days, as you and Jason have 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 discovered so well, is that is that we can we can move on a dime and we can change and say, okay, we can't meet at the church anymore. We can't meet at the Johnson's house anymore. Let's go online. And, and just just like that, you can convert it over to we're going to meet this Tuesday uh, online and we're going to we're going to continue our study. So we're going forward as if people can meet, but we are prepared for them not being able to meet. And and sometimes, you know, families get together across the country and they can't meet. So they do get on uh, together and they study online together. And that's a lot of fun where you have uh, people of like mind, you know, golfers or artists or family members or people who train horses. We've had that where they get together and their common bond is their is sort of their hobby. But they study together uh, the word of God.
0: Fantastic. Now, before we go, I want to I want to ask you people that are maybe intimidated by the Bible. They want to read it, but it's it's a bit much. How? How does God meet them in the Bible? Like, oh,
2: that—that just... that is a very good question. That's a very good question. Uh, and I'm glad you asked that because sometimes, you know, somebody might be listening to the show right now thinking, well, I'm just not that smart. I just don't mm-hmm. read well. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is going to be too much for me. The, the, um, unlocking the mystery of the Bible study was developed for the absolute beginner. The person who has never picked the Bible up before, we will take you by the hand and we will walk you through how to understand the structure of the Bible and how to go about reading it. And I will, at a lay level, take you through that story. And and then after that, then your role as a Christian, as a Catholic, as a disciple, is to begin now to enter in and to live your life in that in that story. And baby steps are fantastic. It's coming to know the heart of your father. It's coming to know his plan. And this takes some this takes some time and and, and that's okay. But take baby steps. One thing I, I love to to teach, in fact, just earlier today I, I teach at the seminary in St. Paul and uh, I teach what's called the propedeutic year. Big fancy word. <laughs> The propedeutic year means the year of preparation before seminary. So if you want to become a seminarian, you got to go through a year of preparation with four of us teachers. And I teach discipleship and scripture to 16 men. And I was just telling them this morning, guys, isolate and perfect, isolate and perfect. If you're new at this, don't be overwhelmed by the whole story. Isolate. If, uh, if you're struggling with anger, let's isolate anger And let's perfect this. Let's go after this. If you are struggling in any other area of your life, isolate and perfect the disciplines of a disciple. And I think that that's much easier than saying, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I got so much to change in my life. I don't know where to begin. And you can begin by reading the word of God and listening to God speak to you about the areas of your life that he wants to to transform. And you can use a journal if you want to keep track of that. In fact... Uh, Father Mike Schmitz and I have um, just announced a brand new journal called the Insight Journal that is a place for you to keep track as women, as men, to keep track of what I call the gold in your life. That God is showing you something about raising children. He's showing you something about how to love your husband. He's showing you something about, about that, that being an employee at work. And you are putting it somewhere where you'll never forget it. And that's that isolate and perfect and keep track of what God is doing and how he's transforming you. And uh, as they say, you're a piece of work, you know, and, and God's working on you. <laughs> and and don't, be, don't be overwhelmed by the enormity of what needs to change. Just delight in what he's giving you right now and uh, the baby steps you're taking.
0: Oh, I love that. Oh, well thank you so much, Jeff, for being here today. You really have blessed us here at Women Made oh, thank New. You. And no, you will be in our prayers and um, I just encourage everyone out there to go get this and just let's get cracking on those Bibles, huh? So thank you for being here really. It was a blessing.
2: You bet. You bet.
0: My guest again, Jeff Cavins, for being here and just for saying yes. And everybody, just say yes to what God is asking. Your entire life can change by a simple yes to God. And I know my life did, and I know today He is calling you to do something. If it's not confession, if it's getting rid of those things in your home that maybe continually give you those bad habits in your life or breaking up with someone. Hey, today's a good day to do that. Sometimes it just needs to be done. Whatever it is in your life, just say yes. And you never know what God can do. Have a great weekend, everyone. God bless.